Hello, and welcome to Everybody's National Parks. Today, Brian and I will be talking about our most recent trip to the Great Smoky Mountains. This year, we went to the North Carolina side, and if you listened to last week's episode, we spent our spring break of 2017 on the Tennessee side. A quick little announcement, we are now on Patreon. If you don't know what that is, it is a website where you may support our work and become a sponsor. So please check us out there. You can find a direct link on our homepage, everybodysnationalparks.com. And there is a link for support our show and it will take you there. There are different levels and we have different types of rewards and thank yous as well. So we would greatly appreciate it if you want to support us and of course, share this with your friends. And now we will jump right into it. Thank you so much for listening. So, Brian, we just got back from our trip to the Smoky Mountains, our second trip there. Where do you want to jump off on this? I think we'll jump off where we jumped off last time. Uh, If you had to describe this trip in one word, what would it be? Oh. And you're making the face that just, you know, we did not prepare this, so I'm surprising you with this again. So just free (laughs) association. What was it? Um, Cold. (laughs) And winter. Yeah, I guess that would be mine. It was still winter. I I think... uh, even though this was our spring break trip, we didn't realize until we started looking, at least for me, looking in pictures from last year, that last year's spring break, Easter, was much later, and so which is our spring breaks based on that, and uh, almost a month later. So it was still, even though we were looking to steal spring, and I still think late March in North Carolina, um, we should be able to get a little bit of spring. It's been unseasonably wet and cold. Um, throughout the entire eastern seaboard. So we still had we still had winter. It was it was pretty cold. It was and it, it was not green. <laughs> there were no leaves on the trees. I, I think I saw a few buds, but I had to hunt for them. Yeah, it felt like we missed it by just about a week. Exactly. That said, we don't have to be negative Nancy. It was still a great trip. It was a great trip. We did have to adjust. Uh you know, the whole trip was planned to be a mostly camping and then maybe on the way out you know, staying in Airbnb um, and see Asheville, which it ended up and without, we don't have to go through all the permutation. It ended up being turned on its head where we just ended up staying somewhat embarrassingly so, but I guess it's justification because it was cold and wet and I didn't want to torture, I didn't want to torture the kids. Uh, We ended up just staying in Airbnbs and visiting the park, which which worked out uh, mostly, although the kids, which I thought was very positive, they were disappointed. They wanted to camp. So I thought that was... Uh, yeah, I think it was more you didn't want to torture your wife. Well, right. That, <laughs> that too. It was, uh, although, it strangely, the weather held out. The forecast was for nothing but rain um, and cold. So just not just a warm spring rain, but 35 and raining. And uh, instead, the weather generally held out. It was still cold at night. But it uh, it generally held out. It did. Actually, it probably would have been our first camping trip without rain. <laughs> it, it, ironically, it would have been. Although, just to, again, to defend ourselves, and, and we'll get into this, we uh, uh, one of the activities we did, which we'll get to in a sec, emanated from Smoke Mount Campsite, which is where we were going to stay. And we did see the campsite. There was, in that massive campsite, how many tents did we see? We saw three tents out of probably 147 sites, yeah, something so like that. Yeah, so in defense of us, it's uh, <laughs> no one else was out there either, or very few. And uh, 
So well, we'll get into that. So we um, we did a little bit in Asheville, which I think we can talk briefly about Asheville. Um, and uh, Asheville's a great town. We we had a lot of fun exploring it briefly. Um, do you want to just talk briefly about kind of the scene there, and then we can we can roll into what we did with the parks? Yes, and definitely a place we will need to go back to as well. So Asheville is on the uh, Blue Ridge Parkway. And so you can check out the Blue Ridge Parkway from there. Uh, sadly for us, we were also off for by a few days on that because most of the parkway was closed. Um, we were able to ride on it for a couple of miles, but not much. Uh, but however, there's a great visitor center over there, and I think it would just be really cool to plan a trip up around the Blue Ridge Parkway another time. Yeah, I, it occurs to me when you we do these drop-ins on parks – um, and you only have a few hours, all it does is kind of get you excited to go back down again. Especially the movie there. The movie at the Visitor Center was very much a promoting tourism video, which is really why the Blue Ridge Parkway was established in the first place anyway. But it just made it seem like right. there's a lot of cool things to do off of the parkway. Enjoy the parkway. It's a beautiful drive. And then um, do little side trips. No, the movie worked. Same thing on me. And I, I don't know about you. I never really contemplated the Blue Ridge Parkway as anything other than a conveyance. I didn't contemplate it as it a park in and of itself. And that's probably a consequence, to be completely honest, of where we're from. Um, so briefly on Long Island, there are parkways established by Robert Moses to connect the state parks. Uh, but those parkways have not, they're just they're conveyances they're how you get to work in the morning they it's long 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 gone where you would on a saturday get in your model t drive 20 miles an hour and pull over to the side of the road to picnic um so i, I have that mentality and bias but the this the blue ridge parkway is indeed a it's not a convenient conveyance necessarily and uh uh so it is a place to to visit and to take your time visiting it and take your time riding down it or biking down it or whatever the case, or even hiking down it. Um, you can really take your time and visit a lot of things. So do you want to go over some of the things that you can, um, aside from just the parkway, what, what are some of the things that it offers? Yeah, well, first of all, it connects Shenandoah National Park with the Great Smoky Mountains. It's 400, I don't remember the exact mileage, 476 miles, something like that. And... From it, there's lots of little towns to visit. There's a big music scene. There's lots of beautiful hiking. There's lots of rivers for white water rafting and horseback riding. Um, I'm sure there's rock climbing and fishing. What else is there? I think the uh, one thing I didn't anticipate is there's a big effort made in um, traditional Appalachian bluegrass music and so there's several stops along you can basically do a bluegrass trip Mm -hmm. um and there's apparently a lot of whether it's festivals or just front front porch sessions where you can kind of pull off and there's a bunch of musicians or if you're a musician you can kind of join in in a kind of a traditional session um and really get to do a music immersive experience, which I thought was, uh, that'd be a lot of fun. I thought that was a lot as a bluegrass guy. That would be, I think that would be a lot of fun and kind of chasing that. Uh, and then kind of having that as the theme of your trip. And then, you know, as, as sub themes, 
hiking and biking and, and all that. That seems like a lot of fun when the weather is better and when it is open. <laughs> right. So what, what else did you pick up from the Blue Ridge Parkway that you think um, you could build a trip around? Um, I, I also wanted to mention the in the film that they talked about people still doing making traditional instruments, and that was pretty neat. And that actually leads to the other theme uh, that was presented in the film is handicrafts and talking about all the traditional crafts that are made. Um, so you can also build a trip around that and exploring the handicrafts along the way. And I think there was a big effort also made um, with regards to kids' activities, which I f- was, for whatever reason, surprised at. Again, I think of a parkway, I think of adult activities, driving, right? So, or, or, or biking on a parkway. But they had, uh, they had made a big effort, including our kids did get the Junior Ranger badge, but because the parkway is is so big and vast, there's a um, a sticker book, and each stop, I guess each major stop, or, or maybe a visitor center along the way, there is a an insert to the Junior Ranger book for a different activity, and you can get a sticker, I think ten in all, um, to get to supplement the actual badge, and uh, so I thought that that was just part of how they also wanted to make the Blue Ridge Parkway kid friendly as well, including we went on a small hike uh, in back of the visitor center that was uh, kind of a kids' parks hike, which uh, our kids did enjoy actually, even even though it was again, there wasn't a ton to see because it hadn't flowered out yet or leafed out yet. Um, our kids very much enjoyed it. We saw a lot of lichen. Yeah, we saw a lot of lichen. That was kind of the that was the theme <laughs> of the trip, and, our, and, and exactly, and that, that was kind of the theme for the rest of the. Uh, the rest of the trip. So. Yeah, that hike was is nice. It's uh, sponsored by an organization called Kids in Parks. That's right. And that was their the very first hike that they established. They call it a track hike. And they provide activities for kids, like little booklets. So we picked up at the entrance to the hike, at the trailhead, rather. We picked up the booklets. There was one on birds, wildflowers, lichen, and trees. And so we read those and looked for those things along the way. Uh, So I thought they were fascinating. We learned so much. And, you know, since it wasn't very green, it still looked like winter. It gave us things to look for and explore and identify trees and the different types of lichen and things like that. So that's the Blue Ridge Parkway, just in brief... um but again, I'm I'm now ready to go back and maybe even build a trip around the Blue Ridge Parkway would be a, a lot of fun, I think. So we'd have to we'll have to think about that. But it was a great uh, a great appetizer. Of course, our last day of our trip, the day we were leaving, we did do some activities in the morning before hitting the road again. Uh, but the weather, at least in the valley, was in the 70s, maybe 70 degrees. And the park ranger at the Smoky Mountains at the Econolofty Visitor Center, I asked her the status of the Blue Ridge Parkway. And she, it was updating, you know, as we were speaking. And so she refreshed and looked up and she said, oh, it looks like most of it is open now. (laughs) Yeah, we missed it by a week. That was kind of the theme of the trip. But, you know, again, still a great trip. So with that in mind, you know, our, our... our next stop was back in the Smoky. So just as a reminder, and you can check this out in our last episode, um, last year we kind of we were in the Tennessee side, uh, Cades Cove, um, Cosby Campground, and Cades Grove is kind of the, the most visited 
uh, area of the of the park. So we went to the North Carolina side to what's the less visited uh, area of the park, although it's all relative because Smokies get 9 million people a year. So even the less visited areas of the park, um, and I'm thinking we'll talk about Deep Creek, can get pretty busy, but uh, it's it's all relative. So we, we went to this side um, by the Cherokee Indian Reservation, and um, do you want to talk about what our first day was and what we what we looked at? Yes, you can hear all about our the Tennessee side trip. It, that's episode six point one. If you're looking for an episode number, so let's see. We drove to the Kanalafti Visitor Center. Uh, there were tons of elk on the field there, so that was very exciting. Since last year, when we went to Catalucci to see elk for that purpose, we didn't see any. Um, this year we drove up and there were just tons of them on the field on the side of the road, right as we were approaching the, the kind of lefty visitor center. We stopped in there and of course grabbed our um, junior ranger booklets. And then we headed to the Smoke Mount horse stables. Brian was very nice enough to set up our very first horseback riding trip. And we did, we signed up for a two and a half hour ride on horseback, which ended up being three hours. We had a wonderful guide. Um, even our five-year-old was able to do it. She just went right behind the guide and was tethered to, um, to him. So she didn't have to worry about controlling the horse in any way. And she absolutely loved it. And, um, we went on a trail along a river up into the mountains to a waterfall we went to the Chastine Creek Falls and um, following the Chastine Creek Falls Trail. It was beautiful. Everyone loved it. We, again, it wasn't green, but um, you could see the water. There were, you know, you had to hunt for some wildflowers, um, but we did see one trillium. <laughs> um what else did we see? I mean, the, what I saw was the expression on our kids' faces the entire time. They were they were thrilled. And so, you know, let's back up a little bit. First, you you briefly mentioned this. Uh, to be clear, this wasn't cheap, right? So this, uh, I think, for the four of us, it ended up being three hundred and fifty bucks. So um, not a cheap day, but as a special treat. And um, my kids had never my kids have never been on a horse. To be honest with you, I have really never been on a horse, so this was a new experience for me, and uh, it had just opened up for the season, um, looking for some activity that we could do that we hadn't done last time that was pretty special, and the shocking thing was uh, that our five-year-old was allowed to go on. We, um, Whenever we've seen horse riding elsewhere, you have to be much older, even in some places nine or above, at least as far as I know. So five years old was the minimum age, and uh, we were very surprised by that. But as Danielle said, it was a tether, so uh, our youngest had her own horse. Um, she was very proud of herself. Our guide was a great dude. Um, he named Buck. His uh, He was a legacy family in the park. I guess he said his father, his grandfather, laid out the boundaries of the park. He was very nice uh, and also obviously uh, an expert on handling the horses and and handling our kids on horses but they had a great time and so uh I, I you know i found it well worth it because it's a it's a total lasting memory um the horses were the horses were very 
tame. I mean, I'm no expert, but I assume they were very tame. These horses pretty much knew the way to go, and they were very user-friendly. Um, I guess with one exception, and a, this is almost a funny exception, as Buck told us, horses know when they have kids on their back, and they know that they can get away with things with their kids. So our oldest horse at the on the return trip would pull off to the side and of the trail and start munching. And uh, knowing that my oldest wasn't going to, you know, wasn't going to spur her on uh, uh, that aggressively. And so that was more funny than anything else. But it was a it was a great, pleasant day, uh, a great, pleasant way to spend the afternoon. Um, the trail itself was great. And that's where we saw it, it started and went above Smokemont. Um, that's where we saw that there were only three tents. Um, again, the rain generally held out. It was chilly, so we had to bundle up. But... Um, Definitely well worth it. I was that was definitely a highlight of the trip, and I think uh, something our our kids will remember for a long time. And it was a great way to spend a um, kind of a cold day anyway. So we came back, and again, I was sore. I guess I wasn't anticipating that just sitting on a horse, but it, uh, it, I guess it's using muscle groups that one does not normally use. So uh, I was. We were all were pretty tired at the end of that day. It was exhausting. You actually have to use your core. I think. I guess so. I guess it's a core. I guess so. Um. So that was that day. That was basically the bulk of the day. Oh, and the names of our horses oh, yeah. were Gus, Levi, Cherokee, and Santos. Yeah, I have to name check the horses. They, uh, they did a great job that day. <laughs> and Buck, our guide, was great. And, and thanks to Buck, our guide. And just the staff managing the Smokemon stables, were, I thought they were fantastic, too. Yeah, me too. Me too. I thought they were very, very nice and professional and made everyone feel welcome. And our kids feel really comfortable. They're clearly used to it. So it was, uh, um, it was a great experience all around. And you have the option. There's a one-hour ride, the two-and-a-half-hour ride, and then there's a four-hour ride. Yeah, and I think that's the other thing. Uh, um, I think if you want to be more economical, the one-hour ride was fairly reasonable. So I think uh, you can do that as well just to get a just to get a sense of riding on a horse and riding on the trails and uh, without blowing out the budget. So the next day, um, instead of four feet carrying us around, it was our own two feet carrying us around. So we had a big hiking day. And uh, for me, this was pretty exciting because as our kids are getting older and older, they're getting more and more comfortable with hikes. This is the first time that we really accomplished two hikes in the same day. And uh, and they did it. They they were wiped out at the end, but um, I was pretty proud of them. They uh, they did it, and they were pretty excited about it. Did you do any piggyback riding at all? I did at the last. Not me piggybacking, but uh, <laughs> my youngest had to ride on my shoulders, literally the last two tenths of a mile um, from the last hike. She was it was in sight, and um, she, she tapped out. out. She was wiped out, but that w- almost made it to the end. So, well, let's start with the first hike. Um, again, southern end of the park. Uh, we checked in at the visitor center, uh, asked for some of their recommendations, and one that popped up was something called uh, the Gold Mine Loop, uh, which is near Bryson City. So interesting story. It's at the end of something called the Road to Nowhere. The Road to Nowhere, that road is actually called Lakeview Drive. At one point, um, there was going to be a road connecting the southern end of the park uh, east to west, this is the beginning of it, and it was abandoned. Um, so it's about, I don't know, six miles in or so. You get to the end of that road, and it's blocked off, and that's where the trail begins. It, it begins, uh, it's a loop called the Goldmine Loop. So it, it, it brushes by Fontana Lake, um, 
and it ends coming back through a road tunnel that was built for the road to nowhere. And so um, eerily, your last two-tenths of a mile, you go through a tunnel, which, uh, again, our kids like too. It is very long and very dark. Yeah. So <laughs> your, your eyes adjust to the other end, of the, uh, other end of the tunnel, so you don't necessarily need a flashlight unless you're kind of freaked out by the dark. Um, then maybe you would want a flashlight with you. But we did like this um, hike because it, it, uh, it ticked a lot of boxes off. We, um, first off, the, kind of the flora, I thought the rhododendron tunnel was, uh, was really, really cool and something out of a fairy tale. Um, so you want to talk about what a rhododendron tunnel is? You know, they curve into one each other. They're on either side of the trail, and they make this tunnel. They bloom in June. I looked that up. So it's not like we missed it by a week. We, you know, we're off by several months. <laughs> uh, but you can just imagine how magnificent that would be to be hiking through there at that time. And it's truly, so it's overgrown over the top, and it connects one side of the trail to the, to the other side of the trail. And truly, the sound changes. So you're, you've been hiking in this hollow, and then you come up to this rhododendron tunnel, and it was, it was amazing how just the sound closed off, too. Um, so it definitely felt a little otherworldly, and it was really, that was a highlight, an unexpected highlight. Um, but again, I think we should talk about it. Our, we have a, a great um, we have a couple of hiking books for the Smokies. My favorite is called Great Smoky Mountains National Park Top Trails by a fellow named Johnny Malloy. And he also recommended this hike, recommended that we do it clockwise. So you you end with the, there's a trailhead across from the parking lot, and then you end with the tunnel. Most people start going through the tunnel. I thought this was, uh, I agreed with Johnny Malloy here because uh, starting where we started you also gain your elevation right away when you're fresh. And then from there, it was a fairly level hike for the rest of the way. So um, rather than, uh, I think, having to worry about gaining elevation towards the end of the hike, we were able to knock it out right away, kind of hike along the ridge, then go down into a valley, but it was fairly level. And then kind of a steady ascent, um, well, barely noticeable. So very, a kid, very much a kid-friendly hike. Fontana Lake, you can swim in it, so when it's nice... Uh, great, great way to cool off and jump in. And I had notions of that, um, but then I realized it was way too cold, so I was not going to jump in this lake. And it, surprisingly, the water level was very, very low when we were there. You could just see how low it was. Yeah, which for spring, I again, I was surprised, and I'm not sure why that is. But uh, again, our our hiking book said that that would be the case. Also, like many areas of the uh, many of these hikes in the Smokies, the remnants of settlers. So we saw a um, actually right when we got out of the rhododendron tunnel, there is a chimney from an old homestead, and that's all that's left. And so we played a little game with the kids as we said, let's just imagine all the memories that were created in front of that chimney by all the families that lived there, and we kind of brainstormed about what some of the things that those families had talked about in front of that chimney. Um, so it was poignant, right? It was a nice poignant, also a poignant lesson on the hike as well. But that's, that's the gold mine loop. Um, any, anything else I'm leaving out? Oh, um, it's, uh, it was 3.1 miles, just to give you the length. So for our kids, nice hike. They can do three miles. Again, just a little bit of elevation, not too difficult at all. And, and uh, they finished the hike full of, um, full of energy. So they, uh, 
Uh, so I think we thought, let's go, let's go push our luck and try for hike number two. And what wildlife did we see? I remember right at the beginning of the hike, I spotted a pileated woodpecker, which I love. We saw wild turkeys on our drive-in on, on the road, on Lakeview Drive, the road to nowhere. And then when we got to the parking lot, we saw some wild turkeys as well. And then on our drive back out, do you remember what we saw? A grouse. We saw a grouse, a ruffled grouse. Uh, I, that's not the full name, but uh, that was pretty neat. I've never seen one. I mean, we've seen turkeys. I mean, we have turkeys at home too, but uh, never seen a grouse. And so that was um, that was all right. We had just basically got to the park, and our kids noticed that noted that, wow, we just got here, and we've seen elk, we've seen a grouse, and we've seen turkeys. So uh, we were feeling pretty good about ourselves. And again, I forgot about the pileated woodpecker too. So. Um, not bad wildlife sighting for just uh, dipping our toe into the park. Right. So then we drove through Bryson City. We did not bring a picnic with us, and so we grabbed lunch in town. And there are many restaurants there, so um, you can take your pick from, you know, delis to restaurants, uh, old-timey ice cream shop, things like that. Yeah, it was a good base. And it just looks like a nice town to explore. And there's also an old train you can take. So from there, we went for the afternoon to Deep Creek, which is also another campground. Um, again, that can apparently gets pretty busy in um, in the summertime. It was fairly – gold mine was pretty empty. There was maybe uh, half a dozen cars when we came out, when we came in. There was just two or three ahead of us. Deep Creek, you know, the parking lot was fairly uh, fairly full. And um, mostly because of the hike we went on, which is which is kind of a well-known hike. So there's a 2.4-mile uh, Deep Creek uh, waterfalls loop. Um, so on a 2.4-mile hike, you get to see uh, three different waterfalls. And uh, so we got there in the afternoon. You know, the way we sold it to our kids is, hey, you've, you've already done a – a longer hike. This is a much shorter hike. This is going to be fun. <laughs> we entered the hike at the trailhead, um, which is right at the parking area, at 2.30 in the afternoon. And uh, <laughs> it ended up being a, a long hike, not for any arduous reasons. We just really ended up taking our time all the way around. But we ended up not coming out and finishing the loop until 6 o'clock for some reason, right? But uh, we uh, it was a... I really enjoyed this hike, and it was very, very picturesque, and, and uh, there was a lot of truth in advertising. So it was a very, very pretty hike. Um, again, a little bit of elevation gain. Uh, I think a little bit more of an elevation gain uh, on this hike than on the gold mine loop. Um, again, at the front end. Um, and so once we kind of achieved that, then we were, uh, we were pretty much smooth sailing. So, again, we started... Um, we started at the loop-wise, we went clockwise. Again, that, that was a way to kind of uh, save our legs a little bit or save the kids' legs. But, Danielle, this was a great hike, too. What, what, do you, what were some of your impressions as well of this, of this hike? I loved this hike. And at the start of it, so the first falls that we got to was the Junie Wank Falls. Uh, there were a lot of people coming and going there. Um, there's a bridge that crosses right over it and a, a bench you can sit. Our kids were really into sitting down and sketching, taking out their sketch pads and drawing pictures of the falls and things. So that was another reason we were taking our time angles where you could see that, see this falls from. 
Um, but that was a crowded spot. It, it definitely thinned down. Some people just went from the parking lot to that falls. You can also do that for the last falls we got to. After that, we went to Indian Creek Falls. And I don't recall if we lost you before that or after that. <laughs> there was a little side path to a cemetery. And so Brian was curious to explore that. And he said, well, wait here. Let me just, you know, check it out. And you guys can go ahead or you can hang out. The girls were again into their sketching and we had a nice little spot. It wasn't a falls, but it was a spot in the river with the water going over rocks. So it kind of looked like falls and they just really enjoyed looking at it and um, sketching it as well. So we were there for a while waiting for Brian to come back, waiting and waiting and waiting. And then we started to get bored and decided, well, let's walk a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, there there was a... uh... There was there was no sign, uh, or there was a sign saying uh, gravesite uh, cemetery cemetery, but it didn't give any um, distance, and so I thought it was just gonna be right off the trail, and then I got stubborn because I got into it, and it it basically it was tough because it was a straight climb up, and uh, so all the elevation that we had given up uh, coming down. I had to get back right away, and I got stubborn and said, well, I, you know, I'm a I'm pretty big workout here. I need to get to the top and see this this uh, this uh, cemetery. So the Wiggins family, I didn't make it to the top, but it took way longer than it should have. So uh, my fault there, but I just got stubborn. Um, but I, I think just going back to give some sense, the Juni Wank Falls is only two-tenths of a mile from the parking lot. And the last falls, which is called the Tom Branch Falls, which is the last one, also only two-tenths of a mile. So those were heavily trafficked areas. But once you get past that, um, it pretty much thinned out. So we we saw a few families here and there, but it it thinned out pretty quickly. So we were able to get away from it all. And I imagine that's going to be the case year-round where most people are just going to take the quick walk two-tenths of a mile to – to the falls on either direction and uh, kind of bag out from there. So you can you can kind of extend that and make a nice hike out of it uh, pretty quickly. And in warm weather, this seems like a really awesome hike. And I imagine it gets a lot busier because there were just so many, even, you know, when we were waiting for Brian, we kept finding little spots to stop and and look around and look at the water. Uh, when, we, when we left our first spot when Brian left for the cemetery, we found, we walked down the hill a little bit and then there was another beautiful picturesque little bridge going over the water and a, a beautiful forsythia bush in bloom. And the kids just sat down on that bridge and they were pretending they were fishing. They were just looking at the water, swinging their legs and it, it was just a lot of fun or just walking around the water. So there are just a lot of little places where you can stop. Um, towards the end of the of our hike, there was another area where there was actually sand. And so they were playing in the sand a little bit. There were also rocks to climb on. So in warm weather and wanting to cool off, you can just splash water on your arms and your legs, take your shoes off, dip your feet in. Um, that looks very, very nice. So the next falls was Indian Creek Falls, and then the last falls was Tom Branch Falls. And the tra- again, the trails are very, very wide and well maintained, and parts of the trails you actually can bike on. It actually picks up uh, part of a biking path as well. So 
um, pretty much a versatile trail. And again, credit to you, um, the kids, uh, I think it's a great activity when the kids sketch out these falls. And so they really, uh, they really enjoy it and they sit quietly for a little while and, uh, they, I don't have an artistic bone in my body, so it would never occur to me to do this. So I think it's a good activity you have the kids turned on to, um, with the sketching. And that's right. I forgot. That's one of the reasons why this hike took a long time is, uh, our kids, which is fine. Our kids just sat quietly and kind of contemplated the falls and drew them and they loved doing it. So, uh, I was totally fine with that. It was, it was a lot of fun. And I appreciated it too, because it gave me time to work on my photography, which is, you know, a, a hobby that I am still learning. And I was able to play with taking pictures of the falls on different speeds. So I was happy about that too. Yeah. So in any event, it took us a little bit longer than it probably should have. Uh, well, not should have. It just took as long as it took. So that's that's fine. So uh, we left at six and our um, our kids, they were cashed out. That was a tiring day for them. So that was, uh, they, uh, they slept like rocks um, that night. Um, and the next day was kind of our last day before we had to, to head out. Actually, we, we had to head out um, start driving in the afternoon. It's a long drive back. So uh, we just had the morning. And um, Daniel, do you want to talk about what we what we decided? We wanted to kind of hit some of the odds and ends that we had missed. Do you want to talk what we decided to do? Since we did not get to go camping, which, again, the kids were disappointed. They kept asking about s'mores. When can we do s'mores? And when can we bike ride? Because typically that's when they bike ride is when we're at our campsite. And it's usually flat enough for them because they can't really do hills very well. And also, there's just not that many places where bike riding is permitted. But they said that was their top priority over anything was they wanted to bike ride. So we went back to the Akanalati Visitor Center. And there, there's also a museum farm, which we didn't talk about earlier. And with that, there's a little trail there. No dogs or bikes allowed, but there's also... A, it's along the river, and there's the Akanalefti River Trail where bike riding is permitted. So we did that, and it is a 1.5-mile trail one way to Cherokee. We didn't get to do the whole thing, but we did quite a bit, and there is some signage along the way um, to learn more about the history or nature. So we learned some things, or there were several signs about the Cherokee culture. Our five-year-old is just learning to ride a bike and was successful. So that was exciting for all of us. Yeah. That, she'll always remember she, she finally learned how to, not finally, but she mastered riding a bike <laughs> and balance at Smoky Mountains National Park. So that's that was right. pretty so that's exciting. that's kind of cool. Yeah. Yep. And the museum farm shows all the different things that you would find, the different buildings and different farming practices and stuff that you would find at that time yeah it was very pretty very pretty and very very well maintained so we we took off from there and we went to mingus mill which is just um maybe a quarter of a mile or something Mm -hmm. up the road on on 441 to check that out so it's just north of the econolefty visitor center and if you're down that way definitely take a few minutes to stop and check out this mill it is magnificent, it is interesting, and it's very scenic too, and we got some really cool photos there as well. So um, I would definitely, it does not take long at all. You can spend as much time as you want there, but I would definitely stop your car and, 
and just walk around there for a few minutes. Yeah, that was very nice. And um, the flume is also, um, there's a flume that's been uh, restored, I guess, or maybe it's just always been there. And so to see a mill with a working flume uh, was pretty exciting too. And I have a I have a fancy water filter, and uh, I was able to just uh, pump the water right out of the flume uh, that was flowing. And uh, so that was a... Uh, and it was very it was ice cold too, so it was uh it was you know well refrigerated and we uh I know I enjoyed that I enjoyed that meal. I'm glad you reminded me of that. Yeah, I that, enjoyed that meal. And that as water well. was good too. And it's at the original site, unlike at the museum farm, a lot of those buildings have been moved from elsewhere. And it was built in eighteen eighty six and it's a grist mill that uses water powered turbine instead of a water wheel to power all the machinery in the building. So really, really cool. Um, so from there, we, we took the ride um, up the Newfound Gap Road um, just because we could, basically, just to kind of squeeze out a last bit of park before we really, we really had to hit, highway, um, hit the highway. So we were in the same general direction. We thought, why not just kind of enjoy the park? So we drove up, took our time, stopped off at some, at some pull-away vistas, check out the overlooks and the park ranger did advise me she said because the weather was so beautiful down by the visitor center 70s blue skies she said you know if you have a view stop and check it out because at the next overlook you might not get the view anymore and it might be completely different once you go over the mountain on the other side so that's a little bit of advice. Yeah that temperature dropped from oh, the mid 70s so again this was a nice day uh, this was kind of the best day we had. Um, the temperature dropped from the mid seventies to the mid fifties just in you know, twenty minutes. So windy. <laughs> I had short sleeves on, and when I got out of the car to take some photos, it was very cold. We stopped at the Newfound Gap, which is an interesting spot. There's lots of things going on over there. That is where the park was dedicated when it was established I believe it's also where you can stand on the state line have one foot in Tennessee and one foot in North Carolina and it's also the Appalachian Trail crosses over Newfound Gap Road and um, straddles the state line between the two states and then it's beautiful views and you can see the views of the mountains towards North Carolina and you can turn a 180, 180 degrees and look at um, Tennessee. There's also a Rockefeller Memorial that honors the $5 million donation from the Rockefeller donation Foundation to uh, complete the land acquisitions um, for the establishment of the park. So um, lots of things to see and do there. And um, that parking lot gets crowded. <laughs> But um, there's a nice walk you can do around there as well. Yeah. So that that kind of sums up our second trip to Great Smoky Mountains National Park. We washed it all down with some pancakes in Gatlinburg, um, which just as we warned you last year, we'll warn you this year, Gatlinburg, just it's full kitsch. So either you embrace the kitsch or you, uh, you should just blow by it. Um, we at least embrace the kitsch in walking around 10 minutes loading down with pancakes and hitting the road again. So, so we, we can take it in small doses, but, uh, that's how we ended our trip and then hit the road and drove on back. And, uh, that was a trip. Um, it was, it also had some cute decorations for spring and for Easter and, um, Asheville, fun things to do there. 
uh, and maybe we'll go back some at some point. Very artsy town. We checked out some art galleries, glass blowing, and different things. Uh, one gallery in particular allowed you to touch all of the paintings, so it's a good one for kids. Um, and maybe I'll list that in our show notes. I'm not finding the name of it right now. And so that was our trip, and we were on our ride back. We were already talking about our next trip to the Smokies, Um, and we think that our kids probably, whenever we get around to coming back to the Smokies, might be ready for um, backcountry camping. There were a few backcountry campsites that are not too far, and also climbing up to Lacante Lodge. That's a goal of ours to do with our kids is because it's the lodge that's the only lodge that's in the park and it's only accessible by hiking and the shortest hike is a five mile hike there. So hopefully in a few years we can report about that. I think they're ready. I think they're ready to go. Um, and they're ready for backcountry too. So that's pretty exciting. All right. That's it for this episode. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. This is Everybody's National Parks. And as always, you can uh, check out our show notes with links to things we talked about on this episode on our website, everybodysnationalparks.com. Check us out on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. We'd love to hear from you from the parks you're visiting. So tag us at hashtag everybodysnationalparks from wherever you're visiting. And last plug for uh, becoming a supporter of Everybody's National Parks on Patreon. You can find links to that to support our show on our homepage, everybodysnationalparks.com. And we really rely on our listeners to get the word out about this podcast and help people who are wanting to visit the national parks or get inspired or learn a little bit. So if you could please share this with your friends, your networks, your social media, and anyone you think would be interested in the national parks. We would greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening. And most importantly, enjoy the national parks with your family. Bye-bye now.